Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of CityWalk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with CityWalk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search CityWalk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Morning, CityWalk. Morning, those of you that are watching online. I hope that you guys had a good week and are at least staying cool for a little bit. If you're, uh, this is the week that uh, sometimes people say, oh, it's a little cold in church. This is the week no one complains about that. This is the week that people are hugging the vents on the, on the edges uh, because of how hot it was yesterday and today over this next few days. still going to be a little bit warm. Uh, at our house, uh, we had a good week. Uh, if, you, if you know my wife, some of you know my wife, you know that about a week ago, our dog Opal had puppies. And so we have been uh, involved with that a lot. Uh, my daughter Kate, my youngest, and my wife have stayed kind of close to home uh, because our dog had to have a C-section. You're like, that's more information than I wanted at church, uh, but, but had a C-section. And so they've kind of stayed close to home. And because they were close to home, my daughter Kate did something that a lot of people in her generation don't do. See, one of Kate's best friends had been away for a lot of the summer, and so her, she was coming home, and so Kate said, hey, I want to write a letter and send it to my friend who's going to be coming home to kind of welcome her home. And so because, again, I, I mean, not a lot of people in her generation are doing that. She's like, so how do, I, how do I do this? So we're like, all right, get a little piece of paper out, write your letter, and then she folded it up and put it in. She's like, where do I write the address? So we kind of walked her through how to write the address and then, all right, take it out to the mailbox and that little flag on the side, stand that flag up. And, and so she did. And, and then a couple hours later, she went back out, you know, opened it up, make sure the mailman was doing his job and, and, and got that letter. And, and, uh, and she was so excited about it because, and you know this, man, if you're, whether you're a kid or even if you're an adult, man, getting a piece of personal mail like a handwritten letter, a postcard, a birthday card, something like that, amidst all the advertisements and bills that were like, nope, 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 nope. Like when we get a piece of handwritten, something handwritten to us from somebody that's special to us, man, we, we love that. It's important. In fact, we, we may get that postcard from a friend that's traveling and, and we pull that out. We might show it to the rest of our family. We may even have a place we keep those and we'd probably read it over a few times because, man, getting a piece of personal mail written to you, somebody took time to do that, it's, it's kind of special. You may have someone in your family like, like us. My grandma Thompson was a handwriting, like, a card sending machine. So my, my grandma Thompson, who is with Jesus today, I think this is a picture of my, my brother and my grandma Thompson. She was the type that you, she never, ever missed a birthday. As she got older, you might get two birthday cards, but she never missed a birthday. I mean, she wrote, and, and, and we got some of the greatest laughs out of some of the things she wrote in her letters and in her, in her cards. She would write uh, kind of notes to our kids 
uh, in their birthday cards that were really notes to us telling us that we needed to come see her and what she wanted for Christmas. But she would write it to our kids knowing that we were the ones that would read it. She, she also, and this is hilarious, she wrote my cousin Dwayne, who's kind of the oldest of the cousins, before she passed away, she wrote a note to him and literally told him exactly what he was to say, how he was to say it at her funeral. Like she basically said, hey, I want you to read this as if you're saying it yourself, but I want you to say exactly this. And so, man, we, got, we just got so much fun out of Grandma Thompson's letters, notes, all that. Some of them, it, they weren't appropriate for children to read. Some of them were scary, but it was, it was, we laughed, had a good time. And you may have had somebody like that in your family, too, that was just really good at, man, you always got a birthday card. They always sent you a postcard from where they were traveling. And again, no matter if you're seven years old or if you're 70 years old, man, we appreciate getting a piece of mail, a personal letter from somebody that is special to us. And today, in fact, over the past few weeks, we've been looking at some letters written by a guy named John. And today we're going to look at 2 John, which is, it's only one chapter, it's 13 verses, and and this is a personal letter to one individual person that John wrote and we get to kind of get a backstage pass at what this person got in a letter from the Apostle John. And if you know anything about John, and we talked about him a few, you know, over the past few weeks throughout this summer, John was really, really close to Jesus. He may have actually been Jesus's kind of best friend. He was his disciple. He was with Jesus throughout Jesus's ministry. I mean, he saw Jesus, was extremely close to Jesus. And he was the last living apostle. So Peter had died, James had died, all of the apostles had died, and John is left. He's sitting in the city of Ephesus. It's about 95 AD. He's the last one left, and he's writing a personal letter to a lady that is a friend of his, who he has kind of been a spiritual mentor or father And we get a chance to kind of look in at what he says. And he uses the first part of the letter to just encourage her. But then what he does is he uses the last part of the letter to just kind of warn her about some things she needs to keep an eye on. So if you have your Bible, or it'll be up on the screen, or you can go to the app, look at 2 John, and we're going to look at verse 1. And you can tell your friends. I know this is going to be super impressive to you. Yeah, we just went through a whole book of the Bible today at church. Just what we do at City Walk, we just roll through a whole book. But, you know, it's only 13 verses, but we're going to roll through the whole book today. So 2 John chapter 1, this is John writing to his friend. And he says this, he starts it this way. He says, the elder to the elect lady and her children. So this is a personal letter. So John doesn't have to say, hey, this is John from so-and-so. She knew who this was. And he's writing as a spiritual father, kind of as the elder apostle, and he, and he writes to this lady and to her children, and it says this, as, as he, after he kind of starts it, he says this, whom I love in the truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth, because of the truth that remains in us, and we will be, and will be with us forever. And so John, he starts this personal letter to a lady and to her kids, 
And he starts by saying, you know what, man, I, I love you in the truth. But you know what? I'm, I'm not the only one that loves you. But, but everyone who believes the truth, and for John, what he's talking about is that the truth that Jesus said and lived, he's referring to Jesus, everyone who embraces that also loves you. And again, John was a guy that was with Jesus. He saw all the things that you read about, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, all the things that you've looked at in the New Testament, man, he, he was there for most of it. And so when John talks about truth, he heard the actual words from Jesus. So he heard truth out of the mouth of Jesus, but he also watched Jesus live out the truth that Jesus talked about. And so John says, man, I love you in the truth. And not only I, but everyone who embraces the truth loves you. And he refers to truth a lot at the beginning of his letter. It's obviously important to him. And as he writes this kind of short and personal letter, he points to the fact that truth leads to loving others. He says, he says, he says, you know, people that embrace this truth, they love you. When you embrace the truth that I heard Jesus talk about, you love other people. But not only that, as he talked about truth, he also talked about how this truth is a forever truth. This isn't like, oh, it was kind of true last year, but it's not true. This is a truth that leads you to love other people, but this is a truth that doesn't change. So, so the truth that, that John's writing about 2,000 years ago in 95 AD, he's writing, and, and, and we can read it today and know that, man, the same truth that, that was, he was talking about, it hasn't changed. This isn't like first century truth, and now we have truth for us. It's the same truth. It doesn't change. And, and as John, he, he continues on in this letter, he says this. He says, this truth, it leads to something. He says, grace Mercy and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father in truth and love. And basically, John's saying, you know what? Embracing this truth, he's talking about truth. This is kind of the pathway to the grace, the mercy, the love of God that, that John knew and he had seen in Jesus. And then what he does, he, he goes on and he... Uh, he gives this mom some front of the refrigerator stuff to put on the front of her refrigerator. So, so think about it. If you're a mom or dad and your kid gets a really good note from the teacher, I mean, you, you, you ain't keeping the bad report card on the front of the refrigerator, but if your kid actually gets something that's really good from the coach or from, from the teacher, it's like we're cutting that part out, we're, we're laminating it, and we're putting that bad boy right on the refrigerator. Uh, to show that we're good parents to everyone else that gets food from our refrigerator. And, and so he, he gives mom some uh, kind of front of the refrigerator stuff. He says this. He says, I was very glad to find some of your children walking in truth in keeping with the command we have received from the Father. And so we know that somewhere along John's route, he's run in to some of the kids of this lady. And he's saying, man, it was so good to run into your son or your daughter and to see that, man, that truth that they learned, they're consistently walking in the truth of Jesus. And again, this lady's probably like, whick, 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 
We're putting that up on the refrigerator. Let's get the copy machine out. Let's, let's Instagram, you know, let's take a picture of that. Like John's writing something good about my kids. So this is probably pretty encouraging to her. And then what he does is he, after he talks to her and kind of encourages her, he, he kind of gives her some teaching, some, some things to watch out for, some things to kind of continue to do that she's already been doing. And again, personal letter from John, so she's leaning in, reading this thing, and, and he, he goes on after he's just, you know, made her so excited by talking about how good her kids are and how impressed he was with her kids. He says this in verse 5, he says, so now I ask you, dear lady, not as if I were writing you a new command, but one we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. He says, you know, this, this lady, you know, we've talked about this before. This isn't something that we've never talked about. This isn't something you've, you've never heard. This isn't a new command to you. We've talked about this. We've went over this. You've heard me teach about this. And he says, I, I want to encourage you to be someone who is loving other people well. And, and then he goes on and he says something that may, may not make sense. And he, he said this in his last book. Or you might put, not put two and two together right away. He says this. He says, this is love. He just said, hey, I want you to love other people. And then he says, here, let me tell you what love is. This is love. That you walk according to his commands. This is the command as you have heard it from the beginning that you walk in love. So he says, hey, man, man, your kids are doing great. It was great to run into them. Hey, we, we've talked about this before. Remember, I've, I've talked to you about how important it is to love other people. Oh, yeah, yeah I remember John talking about that. But, but when I talk about loving other people, here's what I really mean. I, I really mean that you would obey the commands that God has given us. And that's how you're going to love other people. And, and you're saying, huh. So, so John, what are you really saying? And here's what he's really saying. The best way to love others is by being obedient to God's commands. The best way, and you might not, again, that may not totally make sense. Like, well, is that, so if I obey God, that's actually loving my wife really well? Yes. So if you're a dad, the, the best way you can show your kids you love them is by obeying God and loving your wife. If you, you obey your wife like, he, like God tells you to, it's the best way you can show your kids that you love them. If you're a son or you're a daughter, the best way for you to love your parents and siblings is by obeying God in your own life. If you're an employee... The best way for you to love your coworkers is by being obedient to God in how you work, how you treat other people. If you obey God, you're loving other people well. And that's what John's saying to this lady. He's saying, he's saying hey, friend, I want to encourage you to love others and, and be sensitive and obedient to God. And if you will focus on that, you will love other people well because that's how... You're going to show that you really love other people is by being obedient to what God says in your life. And so for me, I'm a dad of three. I'm a husband. I've been married for 25 years. And 
just like you, different, we all play different roles. We have different circles that we run in at work or at school. And, and, and if you're a follower of Jesus, and even if you're not a follower of Jesus, you would say, hey, loving one another, that's a really good thing to do. Where God would say to us through John's pen is, he would say, you know what? The best way for you to love those people that are hard to love is by obeying me. The best way for you to love the people that are easy to love is by obeying me. By obeying me with your life. And that's what John's saying. Is he's, just, he's writing this personal letter to this lady and he's, he's thankful for her kids. And now he's just reminding her of, hey, love one another and do it by being sensitive and obedient to God in your own life. And when you do that, you're going to love other people well. And, and then what he does is after kind of encouraging her and, and telling her, to, you know, just telling her some things that she's already heard, they've already probably had coffee and talked about loving one another. Now what he does is he gives her a little warning, something he really wants her to be careful and kind of watch out for. And, and here's what he says in verse seven. He says, many deceivers. So this word deceivers to John is a false teacher. And this lady knows, as soon as he says this, it's not, she knows what he's talking about. Many deceivers, many false teachers have gone out into the world. They do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. This is the deceiver and the antichrist. So what John's talking about, he's talking about specific false teachers who have made their way into the community that this lady's in. And these specific false teachers, here's what they, when when he talks about false teachers, here's what he's talking about. These people were denying that Jesus was fully God and that he was fully man. And so they were coming into the community and they were teaching things that were anti-Christ. They were anti-God is fully, or Jesus is fully God and Jesus is fully man, which is foundational. And you might be here, maybe you're new to the faith, or maybe you're still investigating faith. Maybe you walked away from the church for a season, and you're kind of kind of creeping back in a little bit and kind of checking this thing out again. Maybe you're watching online, and you would say, why is it such a big deal that Jesus is fully God and fully man? Like, why is that such a big deal? And that's a really good question, because, man, it John, this is what he's writing about, and this is so foundational. And so let's quickly answer the question. Why did Jesus have to be a man? Why did Jesus have to be not only 100% God, why did he have to be 100% man at the same time? And, And here's kind of the short answer. Jesus had to be a man so that he could identify with us in our suffering in our place, and sympathizing with us in our weakness. Jesus had to understand what we go through. He had to be able to empathize with us in our trials and in our temptation. He had to be a man. But he also had to be God. Why did Jesus have to be God? Jesus had to be truly God so that he could satisfy God's wrath And secure for us true righteousness and life. Jesus had to be sinless 
Because if Jesus was a man who had sinned and he wasn't perfect God, he would have had to pay for his own sin. And, you know, good for him for paying for his own sin, but he couldn't have paid for our sin. And so this is a a vital truth. And in fact, in the sermon notes today, there's a link to a an article that, that kind of lays this out a little bit deeper. If you want to look in the app, you'll, you'll have, you can connect to that article and, and find out a little bit more. But, but this is John, and John's saying, hey, watch out for false teachers. Watch out for those guys that are kind of going through the community that are teaching things that are anti-Jesus. They're anti-Jesus is God and Jesus is man. And then he goes on and he kind of continues on in his, his warning. He says this, he says, watch yourself so that you don't lose what we've worked for, but that you may receive a full reward. Like, don't buy into the lies and, and forfeit the joy and the peace and the, at the end of your life, well done, good and faithful servant from God. Don't forfeit that by starting to lean into lies. He goes on and he, because John's the type of guy, and if you're, you're new to our church, we've been walking through this this summer, John is the type of guy that's just super clear. Like he's not trying to confuse you. He may even say it so clearly that it offends you, but he's going to say it clear. And, and so that's what he does next is he, he says, let, let me just say it another way in case you missed it. Let me be really clear with you. And, and here's what he says. He says, Anyone who does not remain in Christ's teaching but goes beyond it does not have God. He says, he's basically saying, teachers that don't embrace who Jesus is and what he said, they don't kind of have a relationship with God. They don't, they don't, they might not have it. No, it's like they do not have a relationship with God if they don't buy into what Jesus said and did. He's super clear. But and then, then in the next verse, he says this in verse 10. He said, or at the end of verse 9, he says, The one who remains in that teaching, this one has both the Father and the Son. So the, the one who does embrace Jesus as God and man, the one who died and rose for sin, does have a relationship with God. And again, to us, this is a 2,000-year-old letter. But to this lady, this is like, oh yeah, we're, we're working through this in our community. I know who you're talking about, John. I, when you talk about warning me and being careful, uh, there's people that I'm thinking of. Like, this is real to her. This is affecting the, the, maybe the small church that may even be meeting in her house. This is affecting them. And so John, this, this guy who's a spiritual mentor to her that, that she respects deeply, He's writing a, a, just a loving warning that she's leaning into because she probably sees the danger. And, and John goes on as he kind of begins to close down his letter and he, he, he gives her a, a little bit more specifics of what to do with these false teachers. He says this in verse 10. He says, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, that, like doesn't bring teaching that is what Jesus said, Do not receive him into your home, and do not greet him. For the one who greets him shares in his evil works. Like, John, ouch, bud. That's a little bit harsh. And here's what John's not doing. John's not being a jerk here. 
He's not saying don't be hospitable or gracious to people who don't see things exactly like you. Like if you're a Democrat, no, I can't have a Republican in my house, or you're a Republican, can't have a Democrat. He's not being like crazy. He's not saying, hey, if somebody doesn't agree with you, like don't even let them in your house. Don't even greet them when you see them. He's not saying be a jerk. What he's saying is, hey, these, these specific teachers who are teaching false teaching about Jesus, these people that don't believe the only way to, to have a relationship with God is through Jesus, these false teachers, these are who he's talking about. He's saying, hey, don't, don't put them up for the night. Don't encourage what they're doing. Don't endorse them. Don't help them spread their message. That's what he's talking about. And though this was written, you know, several thousand years ago, and this looks a little bit different in our society, this is still really applicable to us. Like in our area, we have false teachers who, and maybe we wouldn't call them that, but that's what John would call them, who do not believe that Jesus is the only son of God who came to earth as God and man and to provide salvation. They do not believe that Jesus is the only way. We, we have, and, and, and there's false teachers even in our area. They actively recruit people to believe something anti-Christ. And what John would say to us, he would say, you know what? Don't be a jerk, but don't listen to them. Don't help them spread their false teaching." That's what John would say to us. And, and again, you're like, that's kind of harsh. Well, this is, a, look, this is what John said. So you're like, man, Chris, so what, are you saying that there's people in our society, like in our, yes, that are actively recruiting people to believe things that John warned this lady about. And what John would say to us is, you know what? Don't listen don't believe, don't endorse, don't lean into, don't help along the way. Like, again, don't be a jerk, but don't help them spread the message. That's one way this would apply. But, but again, we're 2,000 years later, so there's a whole nother level of, of how this might apply. Because we, we don't just have you know, access to false teaching you know, via different cults and stuff like that. Like We have access to false teaching right here 24-7. And I think one of the applications for us today is, man, to, to be careful that we aren't permitting or even endorsing false teaching in what we watch, listen to, who we follow on social media. And you might be sitting there like, come on, Chris. Man, you, you're a little bit old-fashioned. You're, you're, and I actually am starting to realize that I am getting older and older. So I start to, yeah, I, I probably am a little bit. But, 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 but here's probably, if, if you kind of push back on that, probably why you push back is you're like, you probably are thinking this. It doesn't really, I get it. Yeah, I, I get it. These people I listen to, these people I follow, these people I share their stuff and endorse. I, I get it that they're, you know, what they teach doesn't really like line up with what God says, but it really doesn't affect me that much. And you know what Satan's doing? You're so tough. Yep, you're the only one that we can't influence because you're just such a solid person. 
He's giving you a golf clap. And he's like, yeah, okay, keep, keep believing that. Again, John's warning, this is, he's not trying to be a jerk. He's not trying to be old-fashioned. He loves this person. He doesn't want to see her or her family believe things that are going to destroy their life today and destroy their eternity. And so he warns her. And then he gets to the end of the letter, and he says this. This is just his last few, few sentences. He says, he says, man, basically, I got a lot more to say. We, we got to do coffee when I'm with you. He says, though I have many things to write to you, I don't want to use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. There's something, and you guys know this, we, we went through COVID and did, you know, you couldn't be with different people at, you know, different things you were involved in. And, and there's just something about like, yeah, I can write it down. I can send you the email, but man, somebody that I love, somebody I care for, just something about face-to-face sitting down over coffee and talking through life. He says, that's what I want. I got a lot more to talk about, but, but let's, let's get coffee here in a few, few months. Let's hang out. Let's talk more. And then he says this. Last sentence, he says, the children of your elect sister send you greetings. He basically saying, your nieces and nephews say what's up. So just wanted to let you know they're here. They just wanted to say what's up, you know, check in with you too. And, and, and he ends his letter that way. And, and no matter, and I said this a little earlier, no matter what age you are, or kind of where you find yourself in your faith. I mean, a, a letter like this from somebody that you love and care for would, would be special. But not just a letter, but to have someone like John in your life who seems to be, based on what we read, kind of a spiritual father, a mentor in this lady's life. Man, again, no matter how old you are, man, we, we would all appreciate a relationship like this with someone who we know loves us, who we know wants what's best for us, someone who is gracious but is also not trying to win a popularity contest, so you, we know that they're going to tell us the truth. See, G, or John was one of those people who was this type of person for this lady. And, and what's cool is, I, and I've said this earlier, John was so very close to Jesus. And so... He knew Jesus as closely as probably anybody. And here's what John understood about Jesus. He understood this. The way of Jesus is full of love and truth. Because he had seen that. And so he was being that for this lady. He was being someone who was full of love, deep love for her and her family. But he was also being someone that was committed to truth and being honest and helpful to this lady because he cared about her. He wanted to see her flourish. See, if you separate love and truth, you're no longer on the way of Jesus because the way of Jesus is full, not kind of full, like a little bit of this and a little bit of this. It's full of love or grace, and it's full of of truth. And John knew that. And so as we kind of close our time, kind of based on what John said, now we move forward to where we're at today. Let me ask you a couple questions that I think will, some personal questions that I think will help us take some of the things that John talked about 
and really apply them to our own life. And here, here's the first question, and, and you may guess this one. Do you have people in your life that, you, that love you and tell you the truth? Like, when, that, when I just asked that question, did somebody pop in your head that you know loves you deeply, but also tells you the truth? That you don't have to worry about them like beating around the bush on stuff. They're not going to lie to you. They're not going to try to manipulate you. They're not trying to make you like them. They love you so much, they're just going to tell you the truth. Do you, do, you, do you have someone in your life like John was to this lady that, that's going to encourage you to love other people, that's going to warn you when they see you start to go after maybe some false teaching or start to allow something to influence you that's not helpful or start to see you go down a wrong path? Do you have somebody in your life that's going to love you enough to come talk to you about that? And they're not going to come talk to you about it on a pedestal like, hey, I'm, since, you know, I'm going to take some time out of my busy schedule of being perfect to come and let you know that you're not perfect. Not that type of person. Somebody that says, you know what, man, I'm just one beggar and I'm trying to show another beggar where the bread is. I love you. I want to see you do well. Just like you love me, you want to see me do well. And there's something in your life, there's a way you're going that just doesn't seem to be helpful. I don't think this is what God's best for you. And they warn you. This is one of the reasons I love our city groups. Being in a city group doesn't guarantee that you're going to have a relationship like this, but it does put you in a place where that type of relationship could develop. Because I've seen it happen. I've had, seen it happen in my own life. There's some men now that I'm, I'm very close to that, that have, uh, I have a relationship where, where I can say truth to them and love them and they can do the same thing for me. And, and that all started in, in a group. And so do you, is there somebody like, is there a, a person that pops into your head? If not, man, it, it would be great to just begin to ask God, God, would you bring somebody into my life? that would love me enough to tell me the truth, even if it's not popular. But, but then the second question that I think will help us really make application to what John was trying to say to this lady is this. Is there any area of my life that I'm embracing or promoting false teaching? Again, you, you, you and I probably would never call it that. That's not like a phrase we use a lot. But is there any area in my life where I'm not, where I'm embracing, kind of allowing, giving a place to teaching that is against what God says, that's not helpful? Or have I gone to a place where I'm not only just allowing it in, but I, I kind of am promoting some of that teaching? Is, is there any area in my life where whether it's media, music, false teaching, is there any area in my life where I'm embracing or promoting false teaching. One of the things that I, for me personally, that I pray for about every single day, I pray for my kids like you probably do if you're a parent every single day, honestly, multiple times a day. But one of the things I pray for my kids almost daily is that God would protect them from the voices and the philosophies of the evil one. I pray it all the time because I know I've got, I've got two adult kids and I've got a nine-year-old 
And, and, and they could pray the same thing for me because I need, I need that same prayer. And I know there are philosophies and voices that are just super pervasive that are not God's voices. They're not God's philosophies. And I pray and I ask God, God, would you protect my kids from those voices? Would you protect my kids from embracing and listening to those philosophies and giving place to those philosophies? Because I know how destructive they are, just like you do. And so the, the question, and it's just, it's, we got to have an honest, you have to have an honest conversation with yourself and just ask yourself and evaluate, is there any area of my life where I'm literally allowing false teaching, destructive teaching into my life? And is there any area of my life where I'm actually not just letting it in, but I'm actually promoting it? And it's a personal question. It's not a, hey, here's a list you have to follow. Here's a, this you have to listen to. You can't listen to it. No, it's a personal, you and the Holy Spirit, if you're a follower of Jesus, have to answer that. And again, you might kind of push back, Chris. It, I get it, but it just doesn't affect me that much. And here's what I would say to you. Next time you make brownies, just put one drop of poison in it. Just put one drop. It's not that much compared to the whole pan. Just put one drop. Don't really. You're like, well, there's a pastor telling people to kill. No, of course not. But you get the illustration. Well, it's a whole pan. Just put one drop. Not that big of a deal. And it really isn't compared to the size. Yeah, it doesn't. But super dis- none of us are doing it. None of us are taking that chance because we know. And you might push back a little bit and see, say, Chris, this seems restrictive. This seems, this seems like, man, it's kind of putting me in a box. And I would say this to you. Jesus disagrees with you. Because here's what Jesus said in John chapter 8. He said this, you will know the truth and the truth will box you in. No. He says, you will know the truth and the truth is the road to freedom. It's the road to freedom. Truth leads to freedom. And I know this. I've seen this in my own life. There's been times in my life, and I describe it this way, where I literally feel that verse in Proverbs where my own sin is like a rope that I'm just watching wrap around me. And I can't do anything about it. Or I don't think I can do anything about it. Yeah, it, it, yeah, sin boxes you in. Sin destroys you. And, and for those of you that have di- different things in your past, you, you've, you're like, yeah. I, I've lived the other side. I've lived the lies lead to slavery side. Chris, yeah, there has been a time in my life where I have embraced lies. I have embraced things that, that felt good or what people were promoting. And it didn't lead to any kind of freedom. For me, it led to slavery. And what John would say to us today as he's writing this personal letter to somebody that he loves dearly, he says, he says you know what? The Jesus I was with, the Jesus I watched On the cross, the Jesus I heard say, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. The Jesus I saw rose from the grave, 
did not come to do that so we could be enslaved. He came to do that so we could be free forever. But it's not going to happen if we embrace things Jesus gave his life to destroy. And for some of us that are enslaved right now, we're enslaved by things that Jesus shed his blood to get rid of. And here's what Jesus would say to you. You feel hopeless? Turn to me. You feel addicted? Turn to me. You can't stop looking at porn? Turn to me. You greedy? Turn to me. You struggle with gossip? Turn to me. You enslaved? Turn to me. When you turn to me and you begin to embrace the truth that I shared and I died for, it will lead you to freedom. Let's pray. With every head bowed and every eye closed, some of you are watching online. Maybe you're listening to this on a podcast next week. Or you're here with us this morning. And maybe you're here and you're, you would say, hey, Chris, I'm, I'm not a follower of Jesus. Maybe you've been hurt by the church in the past or you just haven't had faith. It wasn't a big part of your life. And, and so you would say, Chris, I'm, I'm not a follower of Jesus. I don't have a relationship with Christ. And, and what I would want to tell you as we close and everybody's heads are bowed and just kind of a personal time. I would want to tell you this, that God loves you. And I, I get it. Other people have told you that they love you and then they've turned their back on you and they've hurt you deeply. And so I get it if that's a little bit, like it's hard to really believe that. But God loves you. And God didn't just talk about it. He demonstrated it by sending his son Jesus to live the life you couldn't live where I couldn't live and to die on the cross and raise from the dead to destroy the sin that enslaves us so that we could have a relationship with God. And if you're here this morning and or you're watching online, maybe you're listening to this and you would say, Chris, I don't, I don't have all the answers, but Chris, I, I want to embrace that. I want to embrace that. I want to start a relationship with God today. Just in the quietness of wherever you're hearing this, you can do that right now. Just tell God. From your heart to God. Just tell God. Just in the quietness of this room or where you're listening to this, just tell God, God, I admit that I've done things my way. Just tell him. Tell him, I, I admit that I have sinned. Just tell him. And then just tell him, God, I, I believe. I believe that Jesus, your son, died and rose from the grave for me. I believe that. God, today, I want a relationship with you. Come into my life and save me now. Just tell him. If you're here this morning and you just did that, you just prayed and you made that decision, 
Or maybe you're watching online and you made that decision. We would love to know about it. If you're watching online, you can go to citywalk.cc and there's a little decision card that you can fill out. We would just love to know about the decision that you've made to start a relationship with God. If you're here with us, there's a decision card right in front of you that you can fill out during the last song and then just drop in the offering basket or take it to the next steps table. Maybe you're here and you would say, hey, Chris, I'm a follower of Jesus. I've, I've made that decision at some point in my life. Let me ask you this. Have you begun to listen to lies in your life? Have you begun to allow lies into your relationships that are close to you and to your family? Have you found yourself, and it's really easy to start to lean into things that aren't in agreement with God's word. Maybe it's some of the people that you've just really given a lot of influence to in your life. And again, God's Word's never telling us to be a jerk to anybody. In fact, He's actually telling us to love people really well. But we're not supposed to give place to these lies. And so for you, maybe just take a second and just evaluate. Is Is there some media? Is there some things you're watching, you're listening to, your people you're allowing to really be a big voice in your life that are really pushing things and teaching things that are anti what Jesus said. And if so, what's one step that you could take this week to walk in truth? Just one step. What's one thing? One thing that you could do this week. What is it? Just between you and God, what's one thing that you could do to not listen to lies and start leaning into truth, similar to what John was encouraging this lady to do? I promise you, you won't get to the end of your life or really even the end of this month and regret listening to truth and stopping listening to lies. But I know it's hard. No, it's not popular, but Jesus says, I'm worth it, so lean into me. God, I pray that you would work in our hearts. Lord, it is so easy, even in my own life, to listen to philosophies and lies that are anti what you said and what you stood for. I pray that you would make those things clear to us and that we would have the courage to turn away from them and lean into your truth. In Jesus' name, amen.